Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of Touched by a Horse. I'm your co-host, Chris Angel, here with today's host, Lonnie Cole. Lonnie Cole, hello. Hello, hello. So excited to talk to you. We, uh, for those of you that are regular listeners of this show, uh, we've had Heath Cole in the past, twice on the show. This is Lonnie Cole, uh, Heath's wife. And we get to uh, talk to you today about the other side of the ranch, like the things that um, interact with the kids, the inter that interface with the kids. Yeah? Yes, correct. That's what, give me some backstory on like what you do at the ranch. Um, this year I celebrated 20 years. Um, I've been at oh my gosh. the ranch and um, my main duties here at the ranch is to help the kids and, and help them realize the, the areas that, you know, aren't working for them and help them to progress through the program so that the goal is to re reunite them with their families and get them back yeah. where they're home. Yeah. So good. So you'll you'll be with the kids from start to finish, like when they from they come in to when they leave. Correct. Correct. I'm involved with them throughout the program. How long does a kid typically stay? Like, I'm sure it average, just depends. But average is about 12 to 18 months. Um, we do have some kids that stay with us longer because they don't have you know homes to return to or yeah. situations that have changed enough for them to be successful. So, how many kids will you have at the ranch at any one time? Um, we have up to 38. Right now we have 21. Oh my gosh. Wow. And so you're, are, are there multiple, I don't know how it works. Like, are there classes and you're a teacher and there's multiple teachers or like, what is a, what does it look like for a kid, a day in the life of a kid there? So they, they live there on campus. We have cottages set up. We have 10 to a cottage. Mm -hmm. uh, with one cottage are, are kids that have transitioned and kind of mm -hmm. maximize their stay with us. And they, they're, pretty much independent. They still have staff there, but they're independent. So we have a house that houses eight in that. Um, hmm. They take care of cooking and everything. Um, oh, learning how to be independent, how to be on their own. Um, they learn how to deal with their conflict with each other, rather with very little staff interaction at that point. Wow. Um, the kids go to school on campus. Um, we do have a counselor on, on staff yeah. that meets with them regularly and then um, now we're incorporating um equine to stop coaching so wow pretty excited about that but yeah they're with us all the time they work on campus they play on campus they that's get into a, on campus that's amazing that's, that's so amazing so I, i'm curious i mean i want to kind of dive into the journey of like how the state of some of a kid when they show up and then sort of what happens and like how do they how is it determined that they get to go home right so what is the, what are you noticing when kids come to the ranches? Like, what are, what are the problems? What are the stories they're telling themselves? How do they feel about themselves? Give me the world of that. So um, families reach out from referrals from either churches or, you know, um, yeah. maybe their kids have gotten in some trouble with the courts and, and legal issues. Um, so they'll get referrals to us that way. Um, my part starts when we do the interview and what I'm trying to figure out is if I can build a rapport mm. with the young person and, and kind of figure out where their heads at, where, where they um, see that there's room for growth, if they even want to change. I mean, a lot of kids come and they're so set in their ways that mm. they're not willing to, to look at anything and figure out what's not working for them and how they can improve their situation. Um, once we've determined that we're a good fit and we think that the kid will be successful in our program, mm -hmm. um, they fill out more paperwork um, for state requirements. And then once they get that, we bring them into the program. So acclimating to 
having chores on a regular basis. Um, no. We have to clean the cottages every day, not just once a week like normal homes do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just getting them to um, be a part of a, a group setting and, and how we all work together and how we need to um, interact with one another. What, um, like, are people, are kids coming because of, like, they're rowdy or they're misbehaving or, like, what, how, how do people end up there? What's, what are they doing that gets them there? Failing in school, um, ditching in school, um, lots of fighting at school, suspensions, um, a lot of conflict within the family. Um, we get a lot of single parent homes that are applying for their kids because they're, they're off working all the time. And while they're off working, their kids are getting into things that they shouldn't be and getting into a lot of trouble. Um, we also have a lot of grandparents that are raising their grandchildren and at a certain point, they just can't keep up with them and they don't know how to communicate because the generations are so, right. so different. So um, we have kids that come to us um, from state custody where um, they're looking for a placement and something a little bit more um, permanent for their kids because in foster care, it, things change so quickly and they are moved from one home to another. We have kids that have had up to 23 placements. Um, and that's pretty disruptive, um, not only on their emotional state, but school. I mean, we've got kids that are two years behind because they haven't been anywhere long enough to complete a class or a grade. Wow, that's unbelievable. Um, so you say, I, I get the, the thing about the generations being different. Uh, there is this piece of humanity though, where it's kind of like we all have the same, <laughs> the same garbage, the same stories that running in our heads. What, like, what have you seen? Like, what are the stories kids tell themselves about themselves? Um, um, the, a lot of the problems within the family is because of them. Uh, mm. Kids are constantly on social media and this whole thing that everybody has to like you or you're not, you know, worth anything. Mm. Um, so kids come to us with really low self-esteem self and, and self-worth and, and have no idea what direction they want to head for their future. I mean, they have no idea and they don't think that they're worthy of any of that. Their, their value is so in the toilet that um, they don't even want to make eye contact with themselves in the mirror. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's usually one of the biggest areas that we start is having them stand in front of the mirror and, and describe to me what they see. Mm. And then helping them see what I see is part of the process and helping them by the time they leave can stand in front of a mirror and look at themselves and not see all those negative influences that they've had throughout their, their childhood. Yeah. Yeah. You were telling me before we hit record that sometimes, or maybe in all circumstances, I don't know that kids feel broken. Like when. Well, that's a, a lot of the, the common things I hear. Um, that they're just broken and they're not worth anything, that they're, uh, wow. that they're the reason everything's not working in the world. And, and um, to try to help them see value in themselves, um, my goal is to help them even have a, a, a glimmer of what I look at them and what I see in them. And if they can just take a little bit of, of that with them, um, to me, it helps them a lot. And just that somebody recognizes who they are. I would think um, like it for, I, I don't know if I'm playing movies in my head or if this is the way it was for me as a kid who felt broken, but like when somebody says, you're not broken or I believe in you, that the first reaction to that is like, no, you don't, or, or you don't, you don't know, know me. 
yeah. you don't know me. I, well, what do you mean? You, yeah, you're just yeah. saying that to be nice to me. Right. How do you move through that? Because at some point, like you don't stop the message. I think sometimes we stop, like, I think, listen, I think kids for me are, can be scary. <laughs> my kids are fine. I'm okay with my kids. <laughs> but when I think about other kids, especially kids that have um, just um, polarizing types of experiences, kids that get in fights or whatever, like I go, I don't, it's unknown to me and I don't know how to help and I don't want to patronize, but I also don't want to waste my time. Like how, how do we, how do adults, how do parents, how, how do you, how do kids start to believe what you say? Um, slow down and listen to them. Mm. Actually shut down everything, your phones, everything, and just mm. sit and listen to what they have to say and, and help them make sense of the thoughts that are going through their head. Um, not criticizing, not telling them they shouldn't think that, but just helping them understand that, you know, I can see why you might say, see that in yourself or why you're saying that, but have you thought about this and giving them alternative ways to express what's going on inside because um, they're so negative to begin with because of the experiences that they've had. And, and if they're just able to, you know, reframe that and help them see that, wait, that was one bad situation. That doesn't mean that every situation is bad and just kind of deal with that in the moment and, and help them understand what's going on inside of them and, and moving on. So it, it's amazing how um, how stuck they get because they've heard it so many times and they really think that us adults, and I would agree, most adults don't listen. Mm -hmm. They want to hear what they want to hear and their mind is someplace else and they, they're not paying attention. And when they key in on somebody that's actually listening to them and, and values what they say, might not agree with it, but will allow them to express themselves the way that they feel that they need to. Um, they start to, I say, soften and, and start to be more open to other options rather than just think that adults are just going to lecture them to death. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like, there's, a, there, there's, um, a balance in maybe not even balance. There's probably an, an out of balance of listening without an answer, without a, without a recipe for what to do, without a lecture, without a, whatever, mm -hmm. um, a lot of that. And then how do you know when there's a moment to, to encourage and say, and, and instruct, there's a balance there, like listening versus like providing guidance. For me, I, I'm um, very in tune with what's going on inside my body. And I'm, I'm very um, aware of what's mine and what's not. So once I hear it, it within myself that, Hey, there's an opening right there. I just go through instinct. So I don't know how to coach somebody else through when that's right. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Other than being mindful of what's going on with you. So I'm just going through the whole program um, at Touch by a Horse kind of really strengthen a lot of those natural mm. you know, abilities that I once had. And I couldn't explain that. I just felt it. Yeah. And, um, going through this program, being a lot more in tuned about, you know, who we are, how we interact with people around us and, and helping people recognize um, the areas that they're struggling with and, and being able to put words to that and, and then walking through it with a horse. I'm amazed at how quickly horses are able to knock down these walls that everybody puts up mm. thinking, you know, everybody out there, I've got it all figured out. And the minute you put them in a round pen with a horse, it's just like, 
I don't know what I'm doing and um, I'm going to need some guidance and the force ability to just coach them through that is amazing. I've watched it over and over again and I'm in awe by their, their presence. Do the kids get to work with the horses that way? Absolutely. Um, I have recently, um, another practitioner through the program um, is coming down and helping us um, hmm. get our horses ready um, to be doing this type of work and, and understand that there's not a whole lot of expectations. We just need you to hmm. do what it is that you're naturally gifted at. Hmm. Um, we're doing normal round petting and, and training the horses, helping communication between the kids and the horse and while we're doing that the horse will just stop and start coaching a kid and we're just like okay we're we're, we're turning this into a coaching piece so um, you'll actually notice like that the horse is doing some work with the with a kid like, yeah. you'll, like you notice something's happening well the kids trying to communicate that they want the horse to you know work the round pen and going around the round pen and then all of a sudden the horse stops and is now taking over and now training the child basically yeah. and, and working with it because the kid's going through some kind of emotional state and the horse is like, okay, now it's my time to work on you. <laughs> it, it's Maybe. funny because the kids don't realize what's going on and all of a sudden we've got tears running down their face and I'm like, what's going on? Well, I don't know. And so then we just start that coaching piece of, okay, let's talk about what's going on what are you feeling and what's coming up for you? And mm. it happens in a matter of minutes. I mean, we're working on one thing and then all of a sudden the horse is like, well, no, we're going to change this up a little bit. And that is amazing. It is crazy. Wow. How many horses do you have at, at the ranches? Um, we started off with 18. We're down to nine. Um, the herd was a little too big for me. I'm a new uh, horse person. So, um, figuring out what's safe for our kids so that they can not only um, work with the horses in, in this setting, the coaching setting, but also be able to do some horsemanship and learning how to ride. Um, oh, that's cool. so we've had to cut back on, on what um, we consider safe for our kids. Yeah, that's good. What, I love this. This is so powerful. Um, how do you, well, let's start with, Underneath all of this, when kids leave, what, is, what are the ingredients that make that sort of restore them to a place where they can move on? Is it just the listening? Like, what are some of the ingredients that are making this possible? Well, communication between the family, how the, the concerns that the family had when they first came into the program, um, are we still seeing the same behavior? Um, the kids go out, go home throughout the year and how are they managing at home? Are they taking what they're learning at the ranch and applying it in their family setting? Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of communication between the family and our staff to kind of determine what's, wh what's the time for them to come home. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I like the kids to be a little bit ahead of in school with us mm -hmm. um, because when they transition home, trying to acclimate to all the expectations of home and their families, and now we're going to add peers and school, if they're a little bit ahead, um, they have that cushion so that they don't get overwhelmed and then start not going to school again because either they're behind or they don't understand what's going on. If they have that cushion that there's not so much pressure on them. So once they're able to communicate well, instead of getting either um, physical or start screaming and yelling um, mm -hmm. and, and are able 
to communicate what's going on inside of them. That's usually one of the big keys for me that they're ready to go home and that the family is ready and have done enough work on their own um, to incorporate, you know, the whole family again and, and make things work for themselves. Yeah. What do you notice about kids when they leave? So they come in feeling like they're broken, um, feeling like they're the reason things don't work in the world. How, how, what do you notice about them when they leave? Um, shoulders back, huge smiles on their face. Um, hmm. that's, that's one of the big things you see. Authentic smiles, not the fake um, yeah. phony smiles. When, they, when their eyes are shining, you've got that little light behind your eyes and they're proud. They're proud of their accomplishments. They're able to talk about what they have done. Um, and, and just the sense of, of pride in themselves. Um, when they can look in the mirror and maintain eye contact and, and say all the good things about themselves um, instead of all the negative things that they've heard throughout, you know, they're growing up um, and, and not shy away. They're able to maintain that eye contact with themselves. To me, that's a good indication that they'll be able to hold up to whatever um, difficulties they may face. They'll be able to head, you know, head on into yeah. whatever it is and, and get through it and not, you know, cower or walk away and saying, I can't do this because I'm not, you know, good enough or whatever the negativity that they've, you know, are so easy to fill in the blank. So, yeah, that light behind their eyes, the confidence, their shoulders back, huge smiles. It's amazing. As much as, you know, we're, this conversation is around the work that you do at the ranches. I, I don't feel like this is unique, though, to the kids that you get to see. I think, I think not just other other kids that aren't at the ranches but all kids and i would even say adults i think in a lot of ways feel like they're broken and i think when we look in the mirror it can be hard to maintain eye contact or we put on a fake smile and when we go through this type of transformative work um, and i love that you, you're able to use horses to um, sort of help kids find um, this spark but when you go through these processes and then you come out the other side as an adult or as a kid or as a kid at the ranches, being able to look in the mirror and have a sparkle in your eye and your shoulders are back feeling like you are proud of who you are is something that I think the world, like we're waking up for that. We're starting to get in touch with our pain. And I think we need this type of a process to move us to the place where we can look in the mirror and be proud of who we are. I agree. I, I don't think it's just, like you said, just the kids that happen to cross our door um, yep. but I think a lot of people need it and I think a lot of people need to slow down and start to connect again and start to have that open communication um, about what's going on and how we feel about things and, and not any judgment but just listening true listening I was gonna say the same ingredients that you gave me um, that make this work I think are the same ingredients for humans I think like you said listening communication um, just all of that is a part of being, being present. All of that is a part of it. Well, this is a fabulous conversation. I love what you and Heath are doing down um, in the ranches in New Mexico. Yes. Albuquerque, right? New Mexico. How do people support your work? How do people, if people have a referral for the ranches, like how do people connect with, with you? Well, um, support, we're all privately funded. So it's all based off of donations. We take absolutely no government money. Mm. Um, can reach us any way by um, 
social media, the Facebook and all that wonderful things. Um, our website, www.theranches.org, is a good way to um, get more information about our program for referrals for kids or if you want to volunteer or donate. Beautiful. Theranches.org. Theranches.org. Perfect. Oh, Lonnie, thank you so much for our time together, but also for the work that you're doing. I love, I, I'm so inspired by humans that have, um, trans, they, they, we make the world a better place. Like there is a lot, a, a world that is waking up and we need more and more people like you that are willing to help facilitate that uh, awakening. So just an honor to be with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. You made it very easy. Thank you. <laughs> See you. Bye.